Well, if you don't know me, my name is Trevor Walker. I'm now the executive pastor at Clover Hill, but I've been the creative pastor for 18 years, which feels like an eternity. Pastor Stan is not here tonight. His little, his little baby daughter is graduating high school, so she's walking the floor right now. Yeah, don't clap unless you're going to give her like a gift card or a check or something. Don't be clapping not giving no gift. So y'all get to hear me talk for a couple minutes. So we're going to worship a little bit more in just a second. And I'm expecting God to reveal his heart to you in this place tonight. We also have ice cold Cokes and popcorn for after service too. So we can hang out and chill and just get, have a little fun together. So let's go ahead and get rolling. We're going to put a picture up on the screen tonight. It's of three different vehicles. The first one is a truck. Second one is a minivan. Third is a very gorgeous race car. Now, if I were to tell you that you were going to be in a race and the winner gets a million dollars and you get to pick one of those to be your vehicle to race that race, which one were you going to choose? Race car. <laughs> race car. If you want to win, you're going to pick the race car. Yeah, we can take that down for a minute. We'll talk about it in a second. Well, listen, I drive a minivan. <laughs> any, any other dudes in the house drive minivans? Yeah, they all have kids. Dave, your kids are grown. You still got the van. <laughs> Man, I swore I would never get a minivan. I would never, ever, ever get a minivan. I tell you, my minivan is nice. It's got three TVs in it. It's got cup. It's got 18 cup holders. We never run out of room for drinks. It's got these, I don't know why, but it has green LED lights all through. Like, it's like, we get the party bus, man. It's crazy. And every time I'm driving, I'm like, man, this thing's, it rides smooth, man. And I'm riding that van, and I'm like, this thing is nice. And then I park it and, and get out of the van, and then it, it, it's like a chipping away of my soul when I realize, yeah, that was a van you were driving. So be careful what you swear you never do. My mom always said, man, when you get older, things are going to be different. And I always thought she was talking about puberty, but she was actually talking about when you get older, older, things are really going to change, right? And, and it, it, it is right. Isn't that right, Miss Beverly? You can get an amen on that one. And look, I'm only 38 years old. That's young to you, Miss Beverly. But I sometimes feel very, very old because, just because my life is changing so much. I mean, my kids are taller than me. My shoes get untied, and then when I untie, like, I'm just thinking, well, I'll, I'll tie it when I get down there for something else, you know? Like, I don't want to bother with it right now. You know, it's too much effort, too much time. I can't see without my glasses. Like, right now, I can't see any of you guys. I went to Bush Gardens with my little daughter the other day. She's 11, and <clears throat> I wore my prescription sunglasses. And we had a great time until it, the sun went down, and I didn't bring my other glasses. So it was either be wearing my prescription sunglasses, which I think is black, or take them off and couldn't see. So I, I had to just take them off and say, baby, hold my hand. Take me where. Take. It was like an hour later, I looked down, and it wasn't even my kid. I was like, who, who are you? <laughs> I bought him sugar and candy, and it wasn't even my kid. I was like, that's the wrong child. But it, it's crazy. You know, the worst thing about get, getting a little older, and, and, I, and I'm saying I'm getting older. Some of y'all think, you ain't old. I'm telling you, I know if it's this bad at 38, I can't imagine when I'm Dave Hall's age. I just can't imagine the struggle that life's going to have. You know, I got to get up every night and use a bathroom in the middle of the night. That's the worst. Like, what was God thinking? Like, are you kidding me right now? You ever had like a dream? I'm going to preach in a second. You ever had like a dream where you like have to really go to the bathroom? And you get up and go to the bathroom, and, and, and then you realize you were still dreaming. And now you got to get up and actually really go. You said, it's like it messes with your mind. 
<laughs> it's not for wimps. My wife posted a picture of me when I was 14 the other day on Facebook, and everybody's like, wow, you used to be so handsome. I was like, used to be? What you talking about, man? My favorite thing about getting a little older, though, I feel like I can say whatever I want to say, and I don't really care what anybody thinks about. But my wife cares. In fact, this whole time, she's holding her breath, wondering if I'm going to say something inappropriate and embarrassing. And tonight, I'm not. So if you're looking for something inappropriate, it's not going to happen this evening. I'm forgetting things. Any old people forget stuff? It's crazy. Y'all might be thinking, this joker got a lot wrong with him. He should go see a doctor. <laughs> and I have several, several doctors. <laughs> They've confirmed. Uh, the other day I went to Kroger, right? I get, I, I'm at my house. I get out, to, out the house, get in my car, drive all the way to Kroger, get parked in my car, get out of the car, walk into Kroger, and I stand there where the shopping carts is, and I'm like, I have no idea why I'm at Kroger right now. <laughs> just totally forgot. So, I, you know, I was like, walked, I just walked in. I kind of walked to the left thinking, well, maybe that will remind me, and it didn't. So, like, I, I walked down the bread aisle thinking, well, maybe, and it wasn't. I walked down the salad aisle. I know I wasn't there for no salads, you know. So, and, and eventually, I just kind of just was standing there back in the back and looking. I know they thought some weird dude, was, what is, they were calling the manager, uh, there's a strange dude back at the lunch meets just staring off into oblivion. And it was just crazy. So I didn't know why I was at Kroger. So I had to pee again. So I went to the bathroom. And finally, when I was in the bathroom, that's when it hit me. I was there for a gift card. <laughs> well, it's very interesting what happens when we forget the why behind something, when we forget the purpose. And that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about. I said all that crazy stuff to say. We're going to talk a little bit about purpose. Pastor Stan and Pastor Angie both have recently spoke on purpose. All three of us separately Felt like we heard from God to, to, to speak this message. In fact, God gave me this message, and I was like, and I don't, I don't preach very often. If you've been coming to this church 20 years, you've probably seen me preach twice. And I feel like the Lord gave me this message. I was like, all right, God, if you want me to preach it, give me the opportunity. And the very next day, you, would you believe Pastor Stan said, hey, would you mind preaching on all, first Wednesday in June? And I was like, okay, I'm going to preach on this. And, and I kind of wrestled with God the last week and a half. Like, God, I don't want to preach about the same thing that's already been preached about. I don't have nothing more to say. You know, they already preached a good sermon. But I felt like the Holy Spirit say, purpose is so important that they can hear it three times. See, purpose, it defines everything. It first, it defines your direction. Like, should I go left? Should I go right? Should I go to the stakes? Should I go to the gift card? Purpose defines our action. Like, what are we going to do when I get there? When I get in the parking lot, am I going to the Kroger or am I sitting in the parking lot? You know, it, on a side note, Dunkin' Donuts is a great place for a date night. You just go, you go to the Red Box first. You have to have a minivan. You go to the Red Box, you, you get a Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and you just sit in the parking lot and watch a movie in the car without your kids there. That's an awesome. I got the little LED lights. Now I know what they're for. Now, <laughs> when the minivan is a rocking, don't come a knocking, you know what I'm saying? Just the one. <laughs> uh, purpose, it also defines urgency. Like, do I do it in a hurry or can I take my time? Do I have time to learn? Do I have time to rush? Is the gift card for a party that I'm already late for or do I have some time to smell the roses? Purpose also, it eliminates the unnecessary. Like, don't walk to the stakes. Don't make that pur purchase. Don't continue that relationship. See, I love that Pastor Stan has clearly defined the purpose of Clover Hill Church. Very clearly. You might have heard this a couple times. 
Clover Hill exists to connect people to Christ and to move them along in their spiritual journey. Everything that we do falls under that umbrella. And if it doesn't fall under that umbrella, guess what? We don't do it. Because our purpose has been defined as a church. We're here to connect people to Christ and move them along in their spiritual journey. It defines everything we do and everything we don't do. And purpose applies to really every area of life. And in fact, it's very important to know the purpose of something. For example, if you don't know what a screwdriver's purpose is, you might think, well, I could use it as a hammer. Some of y'all used a screwdriver as a hammer before. If you weren't sure the purpose of a hammer, you might try and use it as a can opener. And, you know, that might work, I guess. I say all that. I've not said anything useful at all yet. (laughs) I'm going to say just a few useful things, so be sure to listen very closely. This is one of the useful things. While you may have some success using the wrong thing for the wrong purpose, you will have tremendous success when you use the right thing for the right purpose. So what's your purpose? Why are you here? And until you answer that question, you're really going to lack something. Check this out. A misaligned purpose is as bad as no purpose at all. So a lot of us have purposes that we feel like is our purpose, and we're living in that direction, that purpose, but it's misaligned with where God created us to be. Here's a couple of examples of misaligned, not necessarily wrong purposes, but misaligned. I need to be happy. That's, that's a good purpose, but that's not what you're created for. I need to make someone else happy. I want to be popular. I should get a boyfriend. I want good grades. I want to be a superstar athlete or a performer. I want a promotion. I want to be rich. I want influence. I want power. Those are all okay purposes, but they're misaligned because it's, it's really not getting to where the heart of what God created us to be. So we're going to put the picture of these three vehicles back on the list. And uh, just in kind of honor of what happened last night, we added a fourth one. A tank-like vehicle. <laughs> if you don't know why everybody's laughing, you have been under a rock for like the last 16 hours. Go back to the one with three, will you, Andrew? So a truck, a van, and a race car. If you were in a race, which would you pick? Just, just by a show of hands, who would pick the race car? Be honest. Who would pick the race car if a million dollars was on it? All right, who would pick a truck? You're going to lose. Y'all just want the truck. If you had a million dollars, you could buy ten of those trucks. Oh, whatever. Who picked the minivan? A couple of people? Picked the- yeah, okay, moms, whatever. <laughs> If, if that's a good question, that's where we're going. If you're honest and it was really on the line, you would pick the race car. But what if I were to change some of the parameters of the race? What if I said that the, the race requires you to bring six passengers across the finish line? I'm picking a van because you only fit one and a half people in that race car. What if I said you have to carry two yards of mulch across the finish line? I'm picking a truck. Because you do not want to put mulch inside that beautiful minivan. <laughs> See, each vehicle has a, a different purpose. It defines which one's the best for the task. When you look at yourself tonight, you look at your talents, you look at your resources, your opportunities, your strengths, your weaknesses. Some of you guys are race cars, some minivans, some trucks. Each person designed for a specific purpose. Listen to what Psalms 139 says. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I love that old sign I used to see in my church. It was a little poster that said, God don't make no junk. Y'all know that? God don't make no junk. 
I know when you look at your life and you look at some of the things you've been through and you feel like just uh, on the island of misfit toys. Remember that from uh, whatever that movie was? God doesn't make junk. He made you fearfully and wonderfully. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about we're all one body with different parts. Basically, it says that we're all, we all have different functions in life and in church. It talks about the foot complaining that it's not the hand or the eye saying that it's better than the elbow. Y'all remember that part in 1 Corinthians? Well, verse 26 says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part shares in its joy. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. See, we reach our greatest potential when we're doing what we're designed to do. Some of y'all race cars trying to haul mulch. Some of y'all minivans trying to be fast. Some of y'all want to sell insurance, but God's called you to the mission field. Some of y'all want to be a pastor, but God's called you to be an influence as a teacher or a professional. Here's another one of the things that might be valuable. I believe a lot of failure and frustration is blamed on inadequacy when more often it's about compatibility. It's like, it's like the minivan complaining and frustrated that it's not fast. And it's looking at itself and saying, man, I'm just a hunk of junk because I can't go real fast. But in the right circumstances, with the right parameters, you are the best person for that task and that job. You might be designed to do something very different than what you're doing. And that might be work. That might be ministry. That might be on a dream team. And as we talk about purpose, I'm telling you, the best place that you can find fulfillment and purpose is being a part of a dream team. Yeah. It is awesome. Who's on a dream team in the house? Look at all these hands. Would you agree that it's awesome being a part of a dream team? Yeah. I used to have, you know, I used to lead worship and everything, and I would have people, and they would, everybody wanted to sing. Nobody wants to change diapers. Everybody wants to sing in the church. And I'd have people come to me, and they, they, they just want their gift. And I, and, I, and I would tell them, as honest as I could, look, if I let you on our team, you're a, you're a four out of ten on vocals. <laughs> if I let you on this, this is what I would tell them, this is honest guy. I might have told some of you that, this. <laughs> if you are a four on vocals, and I let you on this team, I am robbing you of the opportunity to be a ten somewhere else. Isn't that, that's so true. That was a nice people to, t yeah, go ahead, I'll clap for that. Pastor Eric clapping for that. <laughs> so get on a dream team. Do something, but do the right something. Some of y'all are awesome at shaking hands and welcoming people, and that's your gift. Do that. Some of y'all got gifts in technology and, and creativity. Man, y'all need to be using that for the Lord's work. You know, that's, a, that's, that's not even a part of my, of my talk. Trying to do something you were not created for only leads to failure and frustration. That's, that's partly why sinful living is so destructive, because you're using your life for something that it wasn't intended for. Sin destroys us, because we weren't designed to live in that kind of way. Now, most people view themselves through a lens of fear or insecurity. The more I, I discover people, the more I realize we all got some issues. Raise your hand if you got an issue. Yeah, good. I raised both my hands. I got lots of issues. 
you, most of y'all instantly thought because you're, you, you might be living your life based on fear or insecurity. And as soon as I sold a race car and a minivan, y'all, y'all, you were like, oh, I ain't no race car. Because you base your value on looks or influence or money or popularity. And can I tell you that none of those things matter to God? They're irrelevant factors. Maybe you remember in the Bible when the priest Samuel was commissioned to find a new king for Israel. He got together all the sons of Jesse, lined them up. I think it was eight of them, if I remember correctly. All except David. Y'all may remember David. He was a young kid. They kept him out in the field. They said, oh, he he ain't. You don't want him. The brothers were stronger. They were taller. They were older. They were readier. Yet God said to Samuel, do not look at their appearance or physical stature because I have refused them. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks out the heart. And Samuel said, hey, you have another son? Because these guys ain't cutting the mustard. And, and Jesse's like, well, I got the joker out in the field. You don't want him. David was seen as not adequate. His brothers were the preferred and the more obvious option. David was just a simple shepherd boy who played a harp and sang a little bit. But yet God chose him to be the king. There were perceived weaknesses that David had. And you and I, we have perceived weaknesses. I say, I keep saying perceived because it's like what we assume is wrong with us. Or we, what we assume is not, not good enough about us. They're, they're perceived weaknesses. We think, well, well, surely God can't use me if I have X, Y, Z. We all have them. And when I list my weaknesses, it's, act, it's absolutely crazy that God would have chosen me to do what he's chosen me to do for the last 18 years of this church. If you were to li- list out all that's wrong with me, you'd think he is not the right guy. But it's what God chose me to do. Throughout the Bible, God picks people for purposes that actually directly contradict their weakness. And this is why. Because God gets the glory when it's more than talent or resources or giftedness. When it's obvious that someone couldn't do it in their own strength, that's when God starts getting praise. That's why I tell our worship team often, I say, I like it when y'all mess up. Because when you mess up, it's like we realize, okay, that was was a little off, but God's moving. (laughs) Perceived weakness is usually what God chooses. You say a van is too big and slow, but that's what you need to move people. So what's your weakness? When I talk about your weakness tonight, I, I, I bet you each one of you guys instantly, the list, it's like a printout. Well, I got this, and I got that, and I got this. It's like a just. Let me tell you a couple of things. Moses, he had a stuttering problem. But God used him as the mouthpiece of God. David had sin issues, but God used him as a man of worship. Paul had killed Christians, but God used him as a messenger to the lost. Noah was drunk, but God used him as a model of righteousness. It's like God takes whatever junk you got, and he says, oh, I'm going to really use that for my glory. So what can we say about you? What's that biggest perceived weakness? What's the starting point? Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. This verse basically says that we were created for relationship with God and serving people. Everything in life can be reduced to that. Relationship with God and doing good things for those around us. All attitudes, all motivations, all actions, it, it, should, it should be, I'm here to serve God and serve others. So remember that purpose defines what you should do and what you shouldn't do. So if you are designed to love God and serve people, what should you be doing? And this is rhetorical. What should you not be doing if those are the, the root purposes? So what about challenges in life? This, this is kind of where things take a, a left turn when you start take, thinking about purpose. Because you think, okay, if God's got me for some great grand purpose, I, I, that can't be because you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. Often, that's our first response. But can I tell you that challenges and life experiences are like aftermarket add-ons. Y'all know what that is? It, it, God created you with a personality and a purpose, but experience changes your shape and enhances your functions. It's like putting big old tires on a truck. All of a sudden, it's like a, a souped-up truck. Now it can go places that the smaller truck couldn't go to. It's like the, the, uh, the spoiler on a race car that allows it to be more uh, aerodynamic. It's like add-ons. God's souping you up with experiences and with challenges. Now, he ain't giving them to you, but he's, he will use them in your life. Experiences, both good and bad, enhance our purpose in life. See, check this out. My wife and I, we had a miscarriage a while back. That experience, now it, it enhances me to be able to feel compassion for people who have loss. I, if you know a little bit about my story, I've suffered from OCD and extreme anxiety. And that has enhanced me to be more gracious with people's shortcomings. Romans 8.28 says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Everything we go through, everything, everything we experience, God can use it to further his kingdom. I love it when Pastor Stan said a couple weeks ago, he said, let your misery become your ministry. Did y'all remember hearing him say that a couple weeks ago? Man, that hit me hard. Let your misery become your ministry. He was basically saying, let your life experience become the thing that you start serving God out of. A couple more things. You ever cut grass? I hate cutting grass, but man, it's nice when that grass is done and the lines, all right? Can I, anybody like a nice cut lawn? Anybody like sitting on the front porch drinking lemonade while someone else cuts the grass? That's, that's when it's really good. See, there's a rhythm and a process to cutting grass. You've got to get them lines right. And when I cut the grass, man, I, I clearly see my pattern. But when my son also began cutting the grass, I think he was like 10, he tried to replicate me. He had seen a mowed lawn, and he tried to understand how it should be done, but he stunk at it. He's better now. But at first, his patterns were like all zigzag and long. It was just, it was really, really bad. See, he didn't see the big picture when he watched me. He just couldn't understand the way that I did things. In the same way, God knows his reason and his pattern. And guess what? His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So you have to trust him. We're like a little kid who watches his dad cut grass, and we don't quite understand how he does it, but he does it. It may not make sense to us, but, but to him, he sees very clearly. Now, I've let this whole talk be left open for wide interpretation, because it's up to you and the Lord to discover 
What are you made for? What are you here for? What is he calling you to do? What, what season are you in right now? Sometimes what, our purposes change with time. I'm not saying you need to do more tonight. A lot of people, you hear messages like this, you think, oh, stink. He wants me to do more in a church. That's not what I'm asking. In fact, some of you might not, might should be doing a little less. You need a little bit more margin in your life. Some are in here and, and you're raising kids and that's the, the purpose that God has for you right now. Some of y'all are winning the loss and doing a great job. That's God's purpose for you right now. Some are in here tonight and you're unsettled and you're frustrated and you're looking at your life and your work and you're thinking, man, I would just do anything else. And you think the answer might be a different job or a new spouse or a new career. But actually, you might just need to let the Holy Spirit open your eyes right where you are to see the needs around you. Start finding purpose right now where you are. Don't wait for some pie in the sky. Well, one day if I, then I'll do something for the Lord. Do something now. I take a pretty strong guess that most in here tonight do not know what their purpose is. You may be asking, oh, just tell me what to do. But I ain't tell, I'm not going to tell you what to do. It's like, you know, when, the, when on the news they give, like, uh, uh, stock advice and investment advice, and at the bottom it says this information should not be used for, <laughs> used for stock trading and advice. Like, then why are you telling me anything? Look, no, don't, this is my disclaimer. I ain't telling you to quit your job. None of this should be used in everyday life. You've got to find out from God what he's calling you to do. You need to hear God's voice. And we're about to leave a little bit of room. We've got 20 minutes before we end. And all we're going to do is spend a little time in God's presence. Finding God's will, it's complicated, and yet it's also very, very simple. Listen to what Proverbs 3 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Matthew 6 says, seek the kingdom of God first. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So if you are looking for points tonight, these are the three points. Trust God, honor God, and seek God. Trust God, honor God, and seek God. If you're trying to figure out what to do, you might be 65 years old in this room tonight. And let me tell you, your life's not done. God's got purpose. God's got reason for your existence. There's lives and hearts to be changed by your influence. Trust God, honor God, and seek God. That's what he says to do. God's got big plans for your life. Whether you're a young buck, whether you're an old buck, whether you're no bucks. <laughs> it may not look the way that you think, but in the end, if you keep to God's purposes, he will use you for big things. I'm almost done. I want to tell you one thing. God called me into ministry when I was 16. And I was at an altar in a service similar to this. That happened too a couple times. And I was just in a worship service where I wasn't in a hurry to go somewhere. I was just really pursuing God and, and, and leaning into God. And at 16 years old, I felt in my heart God said, you're supposed to spend your entire life serving my church. I was just a drummer at the time. I had no obvious signs of leadership. But God told me I'm supposed to go into ministry. And 22 years later, that defining moment still motivates me today. 
I look back because on the days when ministry is not quite what I want it to be or things aren't quite working out the way I want, I pull on that calling knowing that God designed me for what I'm doing. Now, I'm not glamorizing a ministry calling. That was just my specific calling from God. I'm challenging you to seek God and listen for what he might be saying to you. And I believe that when we get in God's presence, we can hear the voice of God. It's a, it's a quiet voice. It's a stirring in our heart. It's an impression on our heart. And now at this time in my life, at 38 years old, driving around a minivan, I wake up every day and I say, I was created to do what I'm doing. I'm I, I know that God's called me to what I'm doing. And in that same way, I want, you, I want that for you. I want you to wake up in the morning and say, man, I, I'm called to this. If it's a teacher, if it's a plumber, if it's a police officer, whatever it might be, I want you to wake up saying, this is what God has called me to do. And in that, that vocation, in that life, in that raising of kids, God wants to use you for big and great things. So trust God, honor God, and seek God. Look, we got 15, 20 minutes. We got some ice cold Cokes in a minute. We got some popcorn. We're going to hang out, have some fun. And I'll come back up and close us. But we have about 15 minutes. And I want you to find a place. Maybe it's not your seat. Maybe it is at the altar. Maybe it's up the side. Maybe you just want to kind of get alone with God. As we sing, as we worship, I want you to seek after God and, and, and ask God, what is it that you're saying to me tonight? Amen. Let's stand, can we? Lord Jesus, speak to us, God. Lord, we don't just want to hear something like this and, and, and go on our way. God, we truly want to encounter you in a way that that we know we've met with you, we've heard you. We thank you for the worship time we've already had tonight, God, your presence being here. But now, Lord, we're seeking you specifically that you would guide us, show us your heart, and show us your will in Jesus' name.